Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the Media Podcast. I'm Ollie Mann. On today's show, who will lead the BBC after the current DG? What will Bake Off lose when it loses Toxvig? And how can a new global TV news network rival CNN? Plus, the Victoria Derbyshire show is axed and is shorthand due a revival. And in the media quiz, we get to know the latest virtual influencer and her AI-generated poetry. It's all to come in today's media podcast. And joining me today, it's podcaster and deputy editor of Pilot TV magazine, Boyd Hilton. Hello, Boyd. Hello. Uh, I see you've been hosting a Q&A at the BFI. Nothing unusual there. This is your life. Yeah. Except this one was for the 21st anniversary of Spaced. Yeah, it was a good one. It was a good one, I have to say. Well, yeah. gel. Yeah, they're all there. Um, I had eight people on stage, which is a lot to deal with in a Q&A situation. So it was quite stressful. Still all friends? He's still all friends. Nick, except everyone except Nick Frost was there. They're, they're still friends with Nick Frost, but he was filming, so he couldn't he couldn't come. But everyone else, every other major cast member and writer and director, was there. It was it was lovely. Yeah. What did we learn? We learned that um, if you ask one question of Edgar Wright, he can go on for about fifteen <laughs> minutes, and thus leaving you not enough time for audience questions at the end. Right. But apologies I imagine, to everyone who was there. <laughs> but I imagine a perfect playlist delivered to your inbox afterwards. Oh, all the music, all of that. Accompanied. All of that. Yeah. No, he, they were great fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also joining us today, making her media podcast debut, is the founder of Wakey, Deborah Coughlin. Welcome to the show, Deborah. Hi. Thank you for having me. Uh, you are most welcome. What is Wakey then? Wakey Wakey is an app that has in it a nine-minute micro-breakfast show delivered to your phone five days a week, Monday to Friday. And the content is created kind of in the spirit of Big Breakfast. It's got that kind of just fun vibe in the morning. As I did get that to... from your graphic design, so well done. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Good, we're achieving that. Uh, it's presented by um, Chris Taylor, who was in Love Island 2019 and did the salmon a lot. And Ginger Johnson, who's one of the main MCs at Sink the Pink. So drag queen. Yeah, yeah, drag queen. And um, yeah, actually, they're brilliant together. We've got another presenter joining us next week. And basically, the content, all the entertainment is designed by uh, scientists, psych experts, behavior change experts, and telly and content people. I'm glad some telly and content people mm. are involved, aren't you, Boyd? I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just heavens for that. Generally, daytime TV isn't best designed by scientists. <laughs> but actually, but. the combination of them together, well, it's really interesting. I mean, I don't know how much you want to hear. I, right well, now. I want to know, I want to hear you talk about the mental health and well-being stuff, because that's okay. part of it, isn't it? That's why yeah. scientists, right? Yeah, yeah, because basically I um, uh, was looking at mental health in hard hit 
areas. And we were looking at the fact that there's absolutely tons of products and services out there, but there's really low engagement. So most, so 74% of people stop using a wellbeing app after 10 uses. Yeah. I'm sure that you all have apps you have deleted, maybe reinstalled and deleted again, whether they're diet, Didn't meditation. Didn't them. <laughs> <laughs> gave up before, yeah. before before I left the app store. Yeah. Um, and that's most people's kind of experience. But loads of people actually use entertainment to mm. regulate their emotions. Um, so you get in after a stressful day at work and, you, and Love Island's the only thing that's going to really chill you out. Or like my go-to is The American Office. I've probably watched The American Office 25 times in total. They're like the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. But then, I mean, some people, especially people listening to this, will think, okay, well then podcasts. You know, that's on demand. Yeah. What This is a TV show basically, right? Yeah. Um, but it's not live, but it is from that morning. Uh, well, we do it, we record it the week before. When we did our pilot, we did them all live at 7am in the morning. <laughs> and it was exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> That's the pre-record. And we, we realised it wasn't totally necessary and people didn't want it. But, but I'm, I'm, so I'm just curious about the mechanics. Yeah. So you, you set on the app, you say what time you want it to wake you up with your TV show. Yeah. So you say, right, I want it for 8am. Yeah. But then, I mean, what about you? When I wake up and the alarm goes off, yeah. I turn over and go, oh, fuck's sake, and put it on snooze. Well, that's, I don't want to be watching a bright TV show right then. Well, that's part of the point of it, actually. So we were looking at behaviours um, that are... Um, not so great for us. Snooze is actually one of them. So a lot can go wrong in the mornings. And actually, you know, most sleep apps tackle the evening. Um, so we that's why we did a breakfast show, because we thought actually the morning is the time where you can help people really have a better start to the day. And part of that is, so there is an alarm in the app that you can use to go off. And straight away when you hit it, you go into the live feed. And there's chat there so you can chat with people. It is not for everybody, mm. but it is the only mental well-being app that is designed for in the style I of suppose, the big normal people <laughs> normal surprised. people who actually just want entertainment and aren't interested in personal development yeah. as some kind of way to optimize themselves as kind of a cog in the machine just normal people who actually just want a bit of a happier life and go to content but content is hardly ever designed to make people happier it's designed to keep people watching it so, like, I think it was the leadership at um, Netflix that said, actually, their biggest competitor was sleep. That's actually a really concerning thing. Like, that shouldn't be what content is created for, just to keep you watching it. All right. Well, let's uh, start by talking about some more conventional TV and yeah. radio. Uh, Tony Hall and The Blob. <laughs> that is how the uh, Sunday Telegraph editor Alistair Heath described the BBC this week. <laughs> now, in our media predictions episode a couple of weeks back, many, many of our seasoned media contributors warned that the corporation was going to be facing a nightmare year uh, with the government questioning the licence fee, the rise in streaming and so on. Now we know they are losing a director general this summer as well, Boyd. Mm. Uh, Lord Hall, your verdict. Um, well, I've met him a few times because uh, of these uh, Q&As that I host for the BBC sometimes. So, you know, the big ones like, I think uh, I think uh, Dracula uh, before Christmas, you know, the BBC One flagship adaptation of that show. And of course, he introduced it um, and, uh, you know, have a few quick, few quick little chat with him. And he's always been a very decent, nice, civilised human being, I think. Um, I think his main legacy will be tarnished by the whole equal pay issue. Mm. You know, I think he, I think generally the BBC screwed that up, something rotten, and, you know, the whole thing's been a bit of a farce. And he's been there seven years. He's been there very much was under his watch. Yeah, it was absolutely under his watch. Um, But apart from that, I think the BBC, I I feel like if you look, if you take a step back and think where the BBC was maybe 10 years ago, 
before his tenure, when I think there were lots of question marks about its 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 content, to use that horrendous word, about, you know, is it doing enough good drama and comedy? I think in terms of the entertainment stuff, as opposed to forgetting news for a minute, I think he's done a really good job of keeping up with you know, the Netflixes and the and the HBOs and the skies of this world. I think, you know, it's drama and comedy have possibly, you know, been never been as strong, really. I think it's doing... So I think that, you know, people often underestimate that kind of thing about the BBC. They just go, oh, yeah, you know, every every other week there's a really good drama on the yeah. BBC. And people, a lot of it's co-productions, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it? but that's absolutely as it should be. But is that future-protected, though, really? Well, I think it's more future-protected than if they just did it all on their own. I think if, if you know, we'll get on to various discussions later about shows that are going to be axed. And I think if they did just finance everything themselves, A, you wouldn't get the production values you get on these shows, like His Dark Materials, for example. Um, or every, every drama is... is looks beautiful and is brilliantly made you wouldn't get that if they're going to finance it all themselves but also it makes it easier for them to keep up with those giants whose whose budgets are 10 times the bbc's budget entirely so i think in that creative field it's doing really well i think there are huge issues in news and current affairs deborah how do you mark his seven years in the job well i used to work at the bbc uh on and off for radio four and um well what i so i have some experience of working there but Really, what struck me about some of the announcements that have happened in the past few days is it feels like everybody kind of held their breath until the election, then Christmas happened, Mm. and then a load of stuff happened. So a load of press releases went out that had perhaps been worked on for a while, and bearing in mind the political situation, maybe this is what seemed best. Yeah, so just a bit of uh, inside baseball stuff here. So the timings are quite interesting, aren't they? Because a lot of people said in our prediction special, oh, we all thought that Lord Hall was going to bugger off in 2019, then he didn't, so he's obviously sticking around for the centenary, mm. which is 2022, I think. Yeah. But no, it's happened now. And I've seen things saying, well, the reason for that is the government will have a role in choosing the next chairman, but by leaving now, the current chairman, not chosen by this government, gets to choose who the next director general is. Does that sound about right? Yeah, it's not as well. Yeah. yeah, and but but I've also read that um, Boris Johnson and Dominic Cummings want a say in in the they, DG. In yeah. the DG, but they don't they don't get a say, do they? So I mean, they you know they can want to say as much as they want, but the fact is, it's not up to them, and they shouldn't be interfering. And and you know, I think it feels to me like that the fact that they're apparently saying that. They haven't said it publicly. I don't think they would dare say it publicly. Well, the Daily Mail reported that number 10 sources said that right. they said it. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah it was close did, to Did you see the hustings when they were, so the Conservative Party hustings yeah, for did, leadership yeah. when they were talking about the BBC? Yeah. So so the, the feeling in that room was privatising the BBC or just getting rid of the BBC was a, was a very positive thing. So if I was running the BBC and then a very hostile... Um, set of people came in who were going to be giving me a hard time and I'd been there seven years, I might go and do something a little bit easier. Yeah, and the rumour is John Whittingdale might come back as culture secretary and he's said... God, that's... Yeah, I mean, I hope not. I think he's... I mean, he is... And I've met him a few times as well. He's a heat subscriber. <laughs> I, I think I've told is you. He? Yeah, he is. Yeah. So the one time I met him at the Edinburgh TV Festival, when he was culture secretary, he congratulated you on Tours of the Week. He congratulated me on Tours of the Week, <laughs> and um, he was quite excited to meet me. He said, "Oh, you work for Heat, don't you?" Like, yeah, yeah. He goes, "Yeah, we get every week. Subscribe, you know," because he felt like he had to as a cultural thing. He had mm. to keep up, which I thought, "Well, that's fine." Well, yeah, fair enough. But his views on the BBC are are, are, are absolutely ridiculous. I think, and I think you know he he. He seems to be very much anti the the whole idea of the BBC. I mean, I may be mis 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 you know I'm misstating, but he's definitely not 
you know, not in favour of the way it is at the moment. And, I, you know, there are BBC has issues, but just assuming, as I think some of the con- people did in that, in the hustings you mentioned, mm. um, that there has to be turned into a subscription service. It's not that simple. That would be a very, very complicated thing to do. And um, a strong, finding a strong new um, head of the BBC hopefully will will address that. Holiday. I mean, who knows what's coming the way? You, did you see Dominic Cummings' uh, job advert? Mm, yeah. Which I actually thought if that had been coming from somebody who was leading a cultural institution would be the best advert ever and I would definitely have applied for. Um, but it's not necessarily the group of people I want to be working for. Um, but... Um, but an amazing amount of things could get broken and played with and deconstructed and reconstructed with this particular attitude that you could read in that job description. Except in reality, you say you work for the BBC, nothing fast happens at the BBC, does it? You know, programmes get commissioned three years ahead of time. But I think fast mm. things could happen to them. It's not that necessarily them doing it. It's being going to be done to them, I think. But the government sort of respond in kind usually, don't they? There's a lot of talk about, oh, we need to renegotiate the licence fee and have a conversation about in this fast-changing media world, da di da di da But then in reality, it's small changes, really. I know it's a big deal that the BBC yeah. took on the burden of the over-75s and all that. <laughs> but in the grand scheme of things, it's not the dramatic change you might interpret from statements that are made. No, and I also think that, you know... the you know, going back to the Thatcher years, you know, Thatcher, you know, said all these things. You know, it wasn't exactly friendly to the BBC, but in the end, when you, you have these big inquiries and big surveys, and you know, you look into the whole thing, and people say things as they, Tory, particularly Tory ministers, say vaguely anti-BBC type of things. But in the end, I think you take on the BBC at your peril. I think there, I think the BBC is still a very well trusted and loved institution. You know, I love the BBC. So you know, you know, I'm sure we're about to say various things about the BBC and criticise various decisions it makes, which can be cretinously stupid. But overall, I think it's a brilliant thing, and I th- and I think it would be almost impossible to to sustain what it does in any meaningful way if you if you went to a new model, a new model which isn't about the license fee. Does the next director general have to be a woman? Pretty much, I'd say. Deborah? I mean, well, I don't, I don't, I think have to would be I'm not a very legally strange, have to, but a very strange situation. But basically, because they kind of said it last time. Well, if you. Look at the statistics. You would have thought that there are some women out there who were mm. very capable of running that organisation very well. There's a lot of other large media institutions and organisations that are run by women incredibly well. Um, so why wouldn't it be? Yeah, I think there are a lot of strong <laughs> candidates who are... I think the strongest candidates who in, the, in the BBC at the moment, if you look at the people in the BBC, mm-hmm. um, I think the strongest candidates are female. I'm, I'm so not, go on, let's, let's do names with that show. Moore. Charlotte Moore is, I mean, yeah, absolutely. So former controller of BBC One. Now yeah. she's, what does she do? She's got like money on the purse strings, hasn't she, basically? like she's, Somebody told me the title yesterday and I can't remember it. It's, it's a good point, very... but she's effectively in charge <laughs> of all... Controller of entertainment and all the money you want, yeah. basically. Yeah. Job. Controller of all of TV, pretty yeah, much. Something she? like that. So, yeah, kind of above the BBC One and BBC Two heads um but bob shannon he's a pretty strong candidate is he though really yes. no he's controller of radio i and know money. but <laughs> i think the whole bbc sounds thing it, it, you know whoever was in charge of that i mean i think that, that's, out. that's a bad that's a that tarnishes their reputation because i think that was handled really badly and i'm not sure if however much money they spent on bbc sounds telling us we have to have this thing on a, when we had a perfectly good app before um it was you know i think that's gone down really badly um so who else then so you say they're all maybe women. mainly charlotte moore to be honest <laughs> I mean, I think, you know... So your I, money's on Charlotte Moore? It is. I think she's a, you know, she's a identifiable human being. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, you, you, you talk to her again. And I've met her many, many times. She's... she's I love feels, the Boyd's professional analysis is based on what people totally are like based over on the tea nice and muffins. She has got a very nice email tone. I've had, only ever tone. emailed her. <laughs> right, just general tone. I think she's a, she's a sensible, common sense person. You know? Somebody yesterday Not, said to me, Jay Hunt from 
Apple mm. now mm. is a possible poach. Yeah, I've read Dre Hunts. I mean, yeah. Well, she was very much in line for it before she went to, well, to Channel 4 first and then Apple, wasn't she? She was She clearly. was mentioned in dispatches, yeah. 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 I would say... And that would be great experience to come back to the BBC yeah, with Apple. experience yeah. of Apple. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. amazing. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. So this week we learned that the Victoria Derbyshire show, the BAFTA winning current affairs show, uh, which we, I discussed with the uh, launch editor on this show back in 2015. I can't believe we've been wow. going longer than that show. Oh. Uh, <laughs> is being axed for financial reasons. Mm. Now, that's been leaked ahead of a financial announcement that was going to be made by the BBC next week. Um, so did it take you by surprise? Massively, yeah. I think it's... If you try to think of a programme, they should not axe. Um, and a way of not axing it, i.e. letting the letting Victoria Derbyshire know by reading it in The Times, mm. um, rather than approaching her with a discussion about the issue first is everything about it is monstrously stupid and i i, I genuinely i mean there are probably you know maybe panorama's still going isn't it, in its 30 minute form maybe axing that you know even though it's been reduced from now would be stupid monstrously stupid well, i can think of other shows yeah I but mean, not many but i mean in terms the arches. of you know what our our, our, our glorious friend richard bacon summed it up and he tweeted and he said, it's exactly the kind of show the BBC wants to do and should be doing and they've decided to get rid of it. So outline that for us because that's about sort of underserved audiences, working class stories, giving voices to diverse talent in production. Is is all that true, do you think? Or is that just what uh, actually the media Twitterati are saying? Oh, no, I think there's there's definitely a case for that being true. I think that they've done some amazing campaigns and... I I just uh, like I was bemused when I read it. I just I couldn't I couldn't really believe it. And all I can kind of fantasize about is that some kind of six music type campaign is going to happen mm-hmm. that is going to persuade them to keep it on. Maybe if Mumsnet can get really going with something, I don't know, but the like it it should be there. I mean, what are we going to have? Just loads of homes un- under the hammer. Yeah, I mean, that's what we had for the 10 <laughs> yeah. years before, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think it, it, you do wonder whether, you know, have a conspiracy theory of, are they deliberately doing this because it's going to kick up a massive stink? I did wonder that. Yeah, actually. I mean, it, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. It's, it's, it's a storyline from W1A, but these things happen <laughs> that you deliberately choose to, to act a very, very uh, prestigious, award-winning, much-admired show. And also cheap. I mean, that's and, the other thing. How much can it cost? How that, much can that... How it much, looks like it's filmed on a toaster, It must mostly. be one episode of yeah. the start materials, you know. Right. Albeit the co-pro that, that is. But, but it's, it's who's paying for it, isn't it? So it's News and Current Affairs pays for yeah, it. Yeah. So for them, it's a big and, budget and show. And but it's also shown on the news channel, isn't it? Yeah. So they're yeah, filling airtime on two yeah. channels. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... And getting online yeah. material from it. But you do wonder. So it's it's already kicking up a stink. You know, it alerts everyone to the fact that BBC has to cut its budget by what. 70, 80 million or something. 80 million pounds over the last Mostly four years. due to the bloody um, scheme, pensioner scheme that they've, <laughs> you know, that they felt they've forced, got forced panned by the government. So now you've got ministers saying, oh no, they shouldn't cut this programme. Well, you're the ones who are putting them in this situation. I totally get that from the BBC's point of view. But, you know, um, there must be some mediocre, you know, drama or whatever that, you know, that, that you could axe first instead of this flagship. And really, and gen- you know, it's a show I genuinely watched. They did, they did one of the best discussions of Labour anti-Semitism in the build-up to the election that I've ever seen on TV. And she handles these things brilliantly. So, What, what is the yeah. secret sauce there? Like, What's different, you know, to the way Newsnight treats the story and the a way A little bit what story. I was talking about with Charlotte Moore. She's, I think Victoria Derbyshire, has a, she's a brilliant interviewer and, and she gets to the nub of the issue very, very quickly. Um, I mean, she also respects great... people. Like I saw yeah. one of their election debates, and and she gave this older gentleman in the debate like the microphone and let him. And he was 
absolutely brilliant. And he had the microphone, I don't know, maybe three or four minutes. And I thought no other program would have done that. Mm. No other program would have let him keep coming back. And she and she was guiding the politicians to speak directly to him. And I hadn't I've never really seen that kind of just taking your time with something rather than just quick, 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 quick. It kind of it let people breathe. And I, I felt like she allowed voices through that you don't get like you don't get them in question time. Um because the, the, I, I don't think the same audience would apply to be in that audience. Um, and I, I'd have absolutely... No, you wouldn't get them on Channel 4 News as, um, you know, mini-question kind of programmes either. So I think it's the only place where you hear those voices and they're given the space that they deserve. Uh, all right, we'll be back with some more media news after this. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Spiritland Studios are run by Spiritland Productions, providers of professional audio solutions to TV, radio and online. As well as their broadcast standard studio facilities, Spiritland Productions also has a world-class OB vehicle for audio and video projects of any scale. Whether it's podcasting, outside broadcasting or live concert recording, produce your next show with Spiritland Productions. Go to spiritlandproductions.com now. Okay, sticking with TV news now, Comcast are building what they hope is going to rival CNN as the world's best global news network. Uh, Boyd, this is NBC Sky World News. Mm. That's not a, I mean, that's a launch name, isn't it? That's not the name it's going to be. It is. (laughs) What do we know? Well, apparently they're going to, I mean, so obviously now NBC Universal owns Sky, um, which still people probably, some people don't realize it probably i think a lot of people probably if you ask a lot of people in the street you know who, who owns sky they'll say rupert murdoch but he is gone mm. um and he's opened by owned by nbc Universal. so it does make sense sky news i think is of one of one of the greatest sky achievements is sky news i think it's a really you know respected admired um and genuinely very good news channel um that sometimes does a better job dare i say than bbc's news channel of um of just you know doing that thing where you're constantly on air 24 hours a day covering not that much stuff um and then you've got cnn and why would and i guess it may and the, you know the quotes from the nbc people is we've always wanted to try and work out a way of getting out 
MSNBC type channel in it, which is big, huge in America, um, into a global audience. So but they're giving it a go. Audience. I mean, I am slightly dubious because I feel like, do you really need, you know, another version of CNN or BBC? world news or whatever. I'm not entirely sure. But, you know, you might as well go for it. Oh, what I thought was quite revealing about this, Deborah, when reading one of the stories about how it's come to be, is uh, the lady who's going to be launching this initiative was saying that the chap who runs Comcast came to her with the idea because he spends a lot of time in hotels. <laughs> I thought, ah, oh, this is it. This is the chief executive coming up with the channel he wants to watch because he spends a lot of time watching CNN when he's in Saudi Arabia. But I mean, that's not most people, is it? You do only watch it when you're in a hotel or an airport departure lounge. Who chooses international news channels really it happened to me once in berlin i i fell off something and hurt my knee and i was trapped in bed just watching hard news on repeat on uh, on the bbc i like I, I read about it and it it didn't i i didn't have a second thought about it i really did not care do you so think, I would imagine a lot of people feel that way. <laughs> do you think the brands align, though, even on that basis? I mean, to me, it feels a bit like when Kraft bought Cadbury and suddenly you could get Oreos and dairy milk. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. NBC, Sky News, they're not even the same thing in my mind. No, it is slightly weird. And also, you think, because CNN does feel like a a liberal alternative to, obviously, you know, Fox News came later, but, you know, in the current situation of news channels <laughs> yeah. in your hotel room that you look at in your hotel room, <laughs> yeah. um, if you're lucky enough to stay in a hotel, you're like, well, I'm not going to watch Fox News because it's run by a lunatic right-wingers, so I might as well watch CNN and it's fine. It's kind of li- li- liberal. It is. And so maybe, you know, but Sky News can't really get involved in that thing because it still has to be, you know, if it's showing in this country, it has to be completely um Genuinely uh, fair and balanced. Yeah, fair and balanced. So I don't quite get why they feel that they need the Sky News element of it. Just, you know, why? why I, I, who knows? I don't. I don't get why it's such a. They feel it's such an opportunity. No, I suppose it is good news for for Britain, though, isn't it? That they're going to be basing an international news channel here. New, more journalists for, journalists for them. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. all those international channels are based. Yeah. Well, actually, Al Jazeera has a bureau here, don't they? But they're, but they're basically based in America. Yeah. And CNN has a has a has a office here, doesn't it? Yeah. But yeah. you're sort of watching. Is it Atlanta where they're based? You're basically yeah. watching Atlanta. I mean, they've got they've right? got offices. Yeah, yeah. Mainly in Atlanta, but in New York as well. Yeah. And then uh, a TV app that has had a lot of traction. I imagine you are aware of Deborah is Disney Plus. Yes. Uh, uh, It's been um, brought back a week. It's going to be launched a week earlier than planned, March the 24th in the UK. Why so hasty? If I was a subscription channel, I'd be going quickly because I think that subscription is possibly coming to an end as as the way to do channels. So I was just saying to Boy before we started that there's quite a few reports and one by Deloitte recently which talk about subscription fatigue setting in. And I certainly have subscription fatigue. I have stuff going out of my account and I look at my bill and I'm like, when did I sign up for that? Oh yeah, I wanted to watch that. I've got yeah. like, in my household, I think we have two Now TV accounts. We have like two Amazon Prime accounts. We have two Netflixes. Both our sets of parents use our Netflixes. You know, it's getting very complicated to watch the telly you want to see and you know especially with Netflix getting a little bit poorer in quality in terms of what I want to see like are are we going to hold on to these subscriptions no somebody's got to bring all this together um and so yeah they should go quickly because I I think I think um like Quibi's coming that's going to cost people money there's loads of different things coming that are going to cost people money do you think Quibi has a chance, Boyd, in this marketplace? This is the app that's going to let you watch yeah. videos vertically as well as horizontally. I don't get well, and also only only watch it on your on your, on your phone, phone, your smartphone. Yeah. I, I am bewildered by Quibi, I have to say, as a concept. But I have got Steven Spielberg providing content for it, so that will 
There's a lot of data going that way. So yeah. if people aren't watching TV on their telly, they're most likely to be watching it on their phones. Sure, yeah. But and I it's think going more that way with younger people. Yeah, it is. It's, I, I, I always slightly counter this idea. I mean, there is a general feeling among, I think, um, TV executives you know, that young people don't watch TV anymore and they're all watching YouTube and, you know, and there are some statistics, to be fair, that, that agrees with that. But I, but I, my, my question is, when you reach 30, you're not going to carry on watching these differences on YouTube, you know. And I think most people do, you know, move, gravitate to their TV sets and watch and watch quite a lot of linear TV. Mm. As for Disney Plus uh, uh, launching a week earlier, I mean, they should really, they'd had to launch as soon as possible, just purely because their biggest hit, The Mandalorian, which is this Star Wars spin-off with Baby Yoda, who's become a phenomenon, they need to get that out there globally, because it's not just UK where they're launching, they need to launch in half of Europe as well, because it's being pirated, because, you know, fans of that, that show's already finished in the States, mm. The Mandalorian, which is its big draw, and Baby Yoda's become a huge thing, and the, you can't yet get the toys, they want to bring the toys out and the merchandise as soon as possible, because people are pirating it, and people are watching it illegally, you know, downloading it so they have to get it out as quickly as possible have you given any thought deborah into landscape versus portrait for wakey we're uh, we're vertical so you're wholly vertical yeah 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 so if i turn it landscape i can't watch it i'm watching no, it sideways and do you know what it's actually really hard to do a vertical video app so after hq trivia we were like this must have been solved by somebody this must be like white labeled and it's really easy but no Vimeo's not set up for it. YouTube's not set up for it under certain circumstances. Cameras are not set up for it. So we have to literally turn our camera on side and mm -hmm. do lots of clever coding stuff on Vimeo in order to get it round that way. But I think it I, th I think it works really well. I think it's quite exciting. Is that just because it feels a bit more like you're filming it? Like if you hold the camera, if you hold the phone that way, it's more natural in your hands, it feels more intimate? Well, I think you can have commenting under it and I think that's quite an important part of mm. watching shows now. So like when I watch Love Island or Bake Off, I have you know, pretty busy WhatsApp groups that uh, I get involved in at the same time as watching it. So I think that commenting... Maybe something that be becomes a thing, and that's only really possible if you're watching it vertical because you cannot fit comment in easily landscape on a phone. Here's a question I've never asked of our guests before How's your shorthand, Deborah? Appalling, but my mum's is amazing, right? She went to secretary college in the 50s, 60s. Yeah. My grandma went, yeah, and it's amazing. And it's, a, and I, she still, whenever she does it, it's, it's like a magical secret. <laughs> Pixie language that I'm really well. I've done some writing and some journalism, and I definitely think that it is. Uh, it would have been a lot easier for me if I had had the skill of shorthand. But wait, what do you think? Are you a shorthander? No, no, no. So you go to not. press junket after press junket. Yeah, I record it on my phone. I'm so not. if it was useful for anyone, you'd think Boyd Hilton would be using it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely not, no. I mean, no, you don't need it. No one needs it. It's ridiculous. I ask because the editor-in-chief of the UK's biggest news agency has said job applications he receives without shorthand go straight in the bin. Yeah. Uh, this is is PA... he by any chance an old white guy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can look him up on LinkedIn. Uh, it is PA Media's Pete Clifton. Hmm. Um, is he wrong then to say new recruits should have it? Yes. But, but there's two dimensions to this, isn't there? There's, there's whether or not it's useful and there's whether or not it's indicative of someone who's really put in the effort to try and become a journalist. They've gone and got some training, so that means they really want this. One of the best, most committed journalists I know, Sarah Graham, and she does um, uh, a blog called Hysterical Women. She she knows shorthand, and I just think that, like, she went and she did, she did a proper journalism course, she did a proper journalism degree, like, she took that route. I took a total... I ended up writing almost completely by accident I went and did an arts degree where like we were throwing paint at each other for three years basically um 
And I just think, yes, she she treated it as a craft. You know, she she understands it historically, and I really I really admire that, and I've always admired her for that. But I think there's you know there's different types of journalists, yeah. different types of writers, and I can I would definitely love someone on my team who could do shorthand in almost any business, actually. So, Pete, this guy that you said is wrong, yeah. when he's recruiting people to be a court reporter... Okay, all right. <laughs> that is a specific court, thing, though. All right, court reporters, fine. I can see that. I can see court reporting, you need to get, you know, transcript or what, you know, you need to quote the, what's happening, the proceedings, very accurately, as quickly as possible. I can see there why shorthand. But in almost every other regard, people record on their phones. Everyone's got, you know, a way of recording something, an electronic record of some kind. And it's also more accurate. I, I, my, I, whenever I, when I first found out that people, some people do interviews conduct interviews mm. big name writers you know conduct interviews for newspapers just writing notes writing shorthand notes they don't record it oh, i find that extraordinary mm. for me it's like the absolute word for word what someone says verbatim which in most of the most of the um, interviews that i do for, for for heat and pilot tv the magazines i work for are in q a form and if i'm not quoting every single word they say accurately i feel like it's it's wrong whereas mm. you can't get that accuracy from just writing notes on it or writing writing down what they say in shorthand but there is the transcription sorry no no there is the transcription there isn't a really is there a really easy transcription app yeah. I mean, yes. there are transcription apps. I don't feel any of them are easy. I don't trust any of them. Yeah, no, so I do me myself. Neither. It's painful. Transcribing interviews is the worst thing in the world. For it is torture. Yeah. But, but I'd rather do it from recording than from shorthand notes. But in a weird way, you're sort of protecting yourself if you know that the person you've interviewed also is not keeping a recording. Then actually, you are reliant on your shorthand notes. I mean, that could actually be quite a good defence, couldn't it? No one can prove otherwise that the thing wasn't said. I guess so. But I think in this day and age, I just think... I think I think it would be suspicious when, oh no, I've only got my short notes that no one else can read. Yeah, well, okay, another circumstance some journalists say it's useful is when they're basically gossiping to someone or they're having a kind of intimate but not obviously professional encounter with them mm. to try and get some information. Okay. Or a sensitive thing, you know, someone's just lost their child and they've gone up and approached them somewhere. As soon as you say, do you mind if I record this, which is what you legally have to if you're going to use that, they will clam up and not talk to you, but they won't notice necessarily or feel it's an intrusive thing for you to be writing notes down. Yeah, to be honest, I've never been a news reporter in my life, and I, I find the whole idea of it completely bewildering. So I, you know, I have to be upfront and say, you know, as a, as, a, as a as a TV and film critic, which is basically what I am, or an interview of celebrities and actors, I, it, it's not needed at all. But I, I, you know, that example does strike me as being different. Yeah, and of course, when I do get my recorder out and record something, even with 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 the film, so they they immediately kind of behave differently it's quite oh. that is quite interesting yeah they do but then i suppose you know you were mentioning earlier deborah about kind of widening the pool of talent that goes to work for some of you know our media organizations i saw a tweet that steph mcgovern put out this week i don't know if you saw that she's recruiting well she's not but the production company she's working with is recruiting for a daytime show she's making for channel four and she made a point when she tweeted it of saying you know this is in leeds i'd love to have people working on the show who haven't worked in telly before and I suppose something like shorthand does kind of mean, I mean, okay, you may have worked really hard to pay yourself through university, you don't have to be privileged, but it does kind of mean you've had to spend money, you've had to go through a traditional route. Maybe it's alienating for some people. Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. I think that it would be really difficult to get an incredibly diverse group of people um, in your organisation if you were stipulating that everybody had to know shorthand before they got there. But uh, in fact, it's it's obviously ridiculous. But I think the idea that it's a bad thing to have is definitely not the case. I just think this guy is, I mean, he's trapped in the 
He's trapped somewhere. <laughs> He's trapped in the court He's reporting world. Trapped in a little room. Which is the only place where it's needed. All right, well, let's talk on to... Uh, let's move on to an area of your expertise, boys. Ooh. Which is the Great British Bake Off. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Sandy Toxwig's leaving. Yeah. Uh, will you miss her? Why is she going? Who's going to replace her? I won't miss her, to be honest. I, I, I've i never got on with um, the, 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 the Toxwig, uh, the current... Duo, the whole era, the whole era. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm very much of the old school. It was at its peak in the BBC days with Mel and Sue, and I think I, I've all, I felt right from the start that um, the Channel Four presenting duo, um, I've forgotten his name. Sorry, Noel Fielding. Thank you. I'll do that. Yeah, again. I've always thought that the the duo of Noel Fielding and Sandy Toxic felt contrived. Mm. In comparison, and I think a lot of their jokes you can see coming a mile off and are a bit like try hard. And um, I think the show is still, I love the show still, although a lot of people felt the last series was also a bit try hard in terms of, you know, being slightly harsh to the to the contestants. Um, so I won't, I, I think she's great on QI. I think she's great generally. I really like her as, as a presenter. I think she's she's fantastic. I think she's funny and witty and all of that. But I did not get on with that duo as, as, as a prospect for Bake Off. I think... Uh, Channel 4 needs to be really careful and get someone who is genuinely has a kind of real affection for the show. I didn't I didn't ever sense that she had a particular, you know, love of the show or of baking or of, you know, the whole thing. And that may sound unfair. I mean, she may, famously made a joke about it years ago before she was presenter of the show, saying it's just people, you know, make, making fun of the whole thing. Mm. So, yeah, in short, get someone really good who's who will work better. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. Who needs Dominic Cummings' job adverts? <laughs> Um, who would you put in the role? Would you try and win win back Mel and Sue? Would you get Joe Brand in? Okay, so Nicola Coughlin from Derry Girls uh-huh. was obviously somewhere with... Um, who's the guy with long hair from Queer Eye? Who does the hair? Yeah, no, the guy you mean. Oh, come the, on. The northern bloke, Van Ness. Yeah. Jonathan yes, Van Ness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And they were together and she announced that he wanted to be the new replacement presenter for Bake Off. And then he has continued that on his own Twitter and Instagram. And I think that would be an awesome call. I would fully endorse that. It would be a bit doody, though, wouldn't it, if you had two dudes hosting it? I don't know if it would be doody. Well, because you've got you've got Paul Holland. <laughs> not doody dudes. And, well, it's not going to be laddie, is it? All right, not laddie, but, do, but I still think, I, I don't know. I feel like you've got to have a Lisa Tarbuck... Oh Does God, it need, I love Lisa yeah. Tarbuck. Does it need two presenters at all? I mean, the children's one, which is the only one I watch because my four-year-old <laughs> is interested in that and yeah. it's more bearable than most things on CBeebies, yeah. uh, is presented by Harry Hill. And uh, now he is, he, he, he does a brilliant job. It works it. really well. Yeah, I mean, I'd happily great. watch Harry Hill presenting the grown-up one. And if that was a bit of a strong flavour for people, I still think it proves that one person can present the show. I think, well, I don't think that one person is necessarily the person that's left. I think Lisa Tarbuck is the best call I've heard so far. Yeah, I actually. think she'd be great. I, I do love Harry Hill, though. You're right. Harry Hill's a good call, but it, it, but I think he'd be better on his own than shoved with someone else. Yeah, although, you know, I'm sure Noel Fielding doesn't want to, doesn't want to be let go just because Sandy Toxic's going. But I he think, is good. I, oh, I, no, I like him. him I, I love it. I, yeah. You know, I love them both separately as talents, but yeah. I never felt it's as a, a duo for this combo. show. So weird. It's a so weird you, you forget how rogue it was to get Noel Fielding in the first place. It was rogue. It was so completely rogue. You can yeah. understand that Sandy Toxvig yeah. was like the home county's yeah. anchor yeah. to but him. Let's not forget, when it was getting 13 million viewers on yeah. BBC One, mm. Mel and Sue, those judges, you know, in the Mary Berry days, it was a perfect combination. The whole thing was a perfect TV show. And I feel like since then, it's not as perfect. What, you want more VTs about Vienna Cakes? I want more VTs about Actually, Vienna Cakes. I miss them. Do yeah, you? I do. I, do. I miss the history that. bit. I really do. I'm that. like, but tell me the history of this type of pastry. <laughs> I'm going to have to Google. Well, Annoying. You can contribute this in the licence fee uh, <laughs> renewal conversation. Uh, 
let's turn our attention to The Simpsons briefly. Uh, do you know what the news is here? You're, you're looking at oh, the sceptically. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I've remembered. Go on. <laughs> it's the uh, character of Apu. Apu, yes. Is going to be voiced by somebody different. Or not at all. So yeah, Hank Azaria has mm. said that collaboratively he and the Simpsons team have decided that he will no longer be voicing Apu some years after that documentary questioning the whole thing anyway is a bit racist yeah. but they've come to the decision boy it was sort of inevitable it wasn't was it? totally inevitable yeah. yeah I mean you just can't in in, in this day and age yeah. you cannot have you know it's the equivalent of blackface isn't it really it's, 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 it's not far away from that so I think, you know, it was inevitable, yeah. It just took rather a, a long while to do it. And I think someone else could voice the character. They don't have to get rid of the character. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's where it's interesting, isn't it? So, yes, it's a stereotype in that he had an arranged marriage and he's got seven kids and he runs a corner shop. But that's not the objection primarily. The objection no. is it's a white man voicing him. Yeah, I think mm. so. Because there's loads of types in, you know, in this kind of show. The Simpsons is a sitcom, effectively. And sitcoms are all about types and stereotypes and all of that. And I don't think the character itself would... I, I, I you know old white guy saying this, but I didn't get the sense that there was a general offence taken at the character by many people, but there was at the fact that Hank Azari was playing that character. Well, it puts him in a really difficult position because, you know, if you get rid of the character, you're getting rid of the only South Asian representation in The Simpsons. Well, is The Simpsons good anymore? Oh, I mean, I don't watch it anymore. No, yeah, well, so. <laughs> here we go. I think that's the more fundamental question. It's kind of like, Simpsons used to be one of my go-tos, like the kind of thing I'd watch on repeat again and again and again. And I don't think I've watched a, a new Simpsons for no, years. No, But it still so, does a job. I mean, it still gets pretty good ratings. I mean, I, I still watch The Simpsons. Oh, there you go. You? I, I mean, it's to answer your question, it's four stars now. Okay. Right. And it used to be good. five. That's pretty good. But it's never less than three. No. It's yeah, a never less than three star show. That is impressive. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Like like this. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> there is just time to squeeze in our legendary media quiz. You excited, Deborah? I'm scared. It's your first time. Yeah. Uh, you already know about influencers, but get ready to meet the virtual influencers, social media personalities whose images and sometimes words are computer generated. Tech marketing magazine The Drum has created a virtual influencer to be their February cover star. All our guests need to do is answer three easy questions about her. You buzz in with your name when you know the answer. So, Boyd, you will say. Boyd. And Deborah, you will say. Boyd. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Here's question number one. The drum's virtual influencer is a 25-year-old called Floresta, but what does her name mean in Portuguese? Boyd. Boyd. Uh, Forest. Correct. Uh, Flo, as she's otherwise known, is a Brazilian Portuguese woman based in the UK who wants to raise awareness of environmental issues through Instagram posts. Uh, is it uh, ridiculous to think that avatars like Flo can influence anyone, really? That's not ridiculous at all. In oh, fact, I welcome well, it. Really? Oh, <laughs> Why? Well, I think it. Well, I think it might be psychologically healthier for an influencer to be a made-up character than an actual person. Yes. Um, so that's that's one thing. I, I just think it's it's plausible, and I think it's going to happen, and it's kind of inevitable. Question number two: <laughs> Can you name one of the two agencies who helped research and program Floresta's profile and personality? Busting with your name when you know one of the two answers. I'll give you a clue. Uh, one of the agencies is called The Virtual... Eh. I mean, their name does what it says on the tin. The Virtual Influ... No? Influence. Yeah, Boyd. Oh, oh. Influence, sorry. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a shame. It was The Virtual Influencer Agency. Oh, God. Uh, the other agency is called Live and... 
Influence, Boyd. <laughs> I was hoping one of you would say die. But oh, it's, oh, I was going to. It's not die. Oh, okay. I was just hoping one of you would say that. She's throwing the word influence into anything. It's, it's live and breathe, oh. is the, okay. the other agency. Uh, Floresta posts images rendered by VIA's design team, shares poetry penned by a neural network <laughs> oh, that can produce no. original verse, and holds conversations with followers produced using natural language processing software that can effectively mimic tone. This is the end of civilizations. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's coming. Oh, God. It is coming. So, uh, I'm, I've lost track now. Boyd got the first one, didn't he? Yeah, we, yeah. Neither, so Boyd's definitely you. winning. Well, no, but this is your chance. Well, I don't know yeah, if yeah, any is, of us are winning. Is, to equalise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last question is a missing words challenge, so it's all to play for. Uh, I'm going to read you a line of poetry posted by Flo and created by Algorithm. All you have to do is guess the missing word. Unload her weeds, forest tongue and lily, in the mire and throes of tolerable what? Boyd. <laughs> <laughs> Pond. Yes, Deborah. Oh, you're so close. Boyd. Did you know that? No. You just guessed that? Yeah. You were, I mean, like, phonetically very close. Boyd. Oh, phonetically very close. I was going to say river. I don't know. Oh, Boyd. Yeah, yeah, yes. Paul. Oh, you're, oh, you're oh, so God. close. Oh, no. It's a four-letter word that begins P-O. P- it begins with P-O. It begins with P-O, yeah. <laughs> Port. Pose. It's pomp. Pomp. Yes. Pomp. Well, In the mire and throes of tolerable pomp. Well, poetry sense. doesn't need to make sense, does it? Uh, it was when it's not written by someone virtual. Yeah. Well, it was generated by inputting the work of William Wordsworth into the AI machine. Uh, other lines include, Pearl the oak tree with jasmine clock colours, we're only here to mimic the happy sky. If the BBC gets involved in this and still cuts the Victoria Derbyshire, I'm <laughs> furious, I'm just saying that now. And I bet they will. I bet if someone in the BBC is going, we need to get involved in this virtual influencer thing. No, well, you don't. You have uh, won the quiz, Thanks. Boyd. Congratulations. You. Uh, off okay. you go to follow floresta.nas on Instagram to read no. more. Uh, that's it for today. My thanks to Deborah Coughlin and to Boyd Hilton. If you like what we're up to here on the Media Podcast and you want to help us keep doing it, then do consider taking out a voluntary subscription. Head to themediapodcast.com slash donate and choose an amount to keep us going all year round. You can catch up with our previous episodes and get new ones as soon as they're released by subscribing for free on our website, themediapodcast.com. I've been Ollie Mann, the producer Rebecca Grisdale Sherry. The Media Podcast is a PPM production. Until next time, bye bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.